Howdy, I'm Kate Cavanaugh, and you're listening to the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast, where we're laying the groundwork for our land, ourselves, and for generations to come by looking at the way every thread of life is connected to one another. Communities above ground mirror the communities below the soil, which mirror the vast community of the cosmos. As the saying goes, as above, so below. Join me as we take a curious journey into agriculture, biology, history, spirituality, health, and so much more. I can't wait to unearth all of these incredible topics alongside you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mind, Body, and Soil podcast. I am your host, Kate Cavanaugh, and it is always such a pleasure to be here with you. Today, I am bringing back a guest that I got so much incredible feedback on. It is the amazing Tara Couture. Tara and I had the pleasure of recording this interview back in March, and just because of my accidental hiatus and and various other forces, the interview isn't being released until now, but it is so exciting to bring you this wide-ranging interview on how we look at our health and how we look at our health at different scales, whether it's at a personal level, a familial level, or a community level. And in the months since recording this, I've been doing a lot of exploration of complexity, which we cover in this interview to some degree, that the places that we get to with our health, because Tara and I discuss our our own journeys of being really sick, is very multifactorial. There is no single reason, and in that there is no single way out of it, that, that the way to healing, to feeling your best, because I'm actually a little reticent to use the word healing, is, again, going to be multifactorial. And I think that this is hard in a world that really presents us with single silver bullet solutions. I was thinking last night about the term root cause, and I understand that when we say root cause, we're really trying to get to the idea of the the thing that underlies all the other things. But I think that tangled into that should be that a root system is this diverse and branching system that is the interfacing part of the plant with this incredible soil food web and all this community of players and characters. And so when we say root cause, <laughs> one thing I want us to get away from is the idea of something that is singular and into the idea of something that is both multifactorial and unfolding in community. And with that, I really want to mention that I think that being able to do this work on health is something of a privilege that I have had the time and the resources to do research to eat specific foods that are not available to everyone. And I think that this is something that we're going to unravel a little bit more in further podcasts, but I think it bears mentioning that our health also has social factors that are at play. It has big food and 
other big entities that are moving our health in directions that can be incredibly difficult to overcome at the individual level. And I really want people to hear that I think that's important. It's important to know that before we dive in. And if you take anything away, I really hope that it's just that this is so complex um, and that we are at this point in time where we are exposed to so many different elements of our natural and built worlds and our bodies are a reflection and a confluence of those spaces. I have had a lot of fun planning some of these future episodes with you. And so if you are keen to support the podcast and the work that I am doing here in teasing out some of these big, complex, nuanced conversations, I've left a couple of places that you can support in the show notes, whether that's Substack or a one-time tip. And I'm so appreciative if you want to exist in reciprocity of helping me to keep this podcast free and for now ad free the best way that you can actually support the podcast is to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts be that spotify be that on apple podcasts and i thought in that vein i would read an interview this is from tt bunch of numbers it says delightful podcast just discovered this pod and i am so delighted to have found it kate is bringing a wealth of knowledge and some great guest interviews to the table thank you for sharing so freely and for bringing us no listeners along for the ride i want all of you to know that i really picture us in this ride together and that is one of the joys of doing this is having this sensation of shared interest and shared shared curiosity. So thank you for coming along for the ride with me. And as always, it is just amazing to bring you these conversations. I want to introduce without further ado, the incredible Tara Couture. I highly recommend checking out her Substack, the latest documentary that was done on her and her husband Troy called Divergence. There are links to all of these things in the show notes and more. And here, here is Tara. You know, it's, it's in everything. It's in like farming, it's in our health, it's in, but in relationships, there is immediate feedback, you know, and, and I can spend, you know, if I, I have a clear idea of, of who I want to be and how I want my love to look, you know, like one of my prayers that I say daily actually is help me to be the love that I want to be and to show that love and that, you know, in a way that it can be received, not for myself, but like in service to the people that I love. And um, in order to, to be able to love in the way that I want to love, I have to be responsible for myself because damn, like I get grumpy, you know, (laughs) I can be, um you know a challenge I know I'm a challenge oh yeah oh I'm a salty I'm tough yeah yeah same (laughs) I'm not easy (laughs) yeah but I have to also 
own when I have crossed lines and I have to be willing to humble myself enough and not, you know, be ruled by ego, but to just be like, whoa, that was out of line. I don't want to pull people down because I feel down. Like, I, I just don't want to be that person. And so it's, it's bigger than how you feel, right? There's this overguiding, um, um, just sort of principle that I, I want to be able to be beyond myself. I just want to, it's not just, I'm not going to be governed by my feelings. I feel them and all that, but I need to be able to um, answer to something higher than myself. And, and so if we don't have our values and our principles, our morals, our, our decision of how we're going to show up in this world as a compass to how we live, um, then we do get, then we do just get to do what we want to do and let other people take responsibility for us. Cause what does it matter? And so I think those things have to, have to be set and have to be known in your heart and a decision is made that you're going to follow those things. You wrote about this, this brings up, and I think we should just go there. You wrote about writing a mission statement for your life. I can, I'll read the piece because I think that it's important, but we've talked a lot about on this podcast that I have a list of words that kind of define my values because we need, we need an anchor point in today's world. And, and you took that a step further, which is something that I'm going to do, but you said, it's also big and convoluted. It can feel impossible to untangle from, but untangle people do, and they do it in a myriad of ways. Is anything guaranteed? Will my path be yours? No and no, of course not. That's not life. Life is excavating your own with courage and steadfast determination. Steadfast. That's our word. The word my husband and I determined was the central theme of our marriage, our family, and our lives. We decided that back when we first found each other. And steadfast has steadfastly remained. It's been our guiding word when we needed guidance. It's been our rally point when we needed to rally. What's your word for your life? Maybe you have many. Maybe you haven't given it much thought. We went on to write a mission statement for our lives. Do you have a mission statement? Maybe you oughta. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I ought to, I ought to have that. <laughs> you ought to, Kate. Because <laughs> we've had values and we've had a lot of conversations around what are those values. And I think that can work on a, on a personal or a familial, maybe even a societal level, but. Yeah. You know, we wrote that mission statement when we were on our first farm. And I think I, we probably talked about this before, but on our first farm, we were selling grass-fed beef. We were selling pastured organic pork. And, you know, Troy was still working a full-time job. Um, and so it was just mayhem. Like we used to get to bed at midnight, you know, and, and yeah. um, you know, supper with the kids was just kind of like, you know, let's go, let's go. And it was just, yeah. and um, we ended up sitting down, we took a holistic management course and we sat down and we wrote out our mission statement and then we sort of expanded upon that on in a more personal way for us and um things just started changing like you know when to just be able to sit down and write that out and see to see it to talk about it to really work it through and if if these are the things that matter most to us and this is how we're living you can see just the misalignment you know yeah. and no wonder i feel like 
you know, poop or I'm, no, no wonder we're arguing or bickering yeah. or whatever it is because we're out of alignment. We've like sat down. I think we all have this stuff inside of us. It's just, you figure that out obviously, but to write it down for us was, was really profound. And it's something that we still stick by. Like it's, it's just, it, it's like, um, you know, it's your guiding star of how, of how you want to be. And whenever things feel a little off, it's always because we're not following along um, with, with how we want to live our lives, obviously. But, um, you know, and then the word steadfast was something, a word that we just determined was our word, like very early on in our, our relationship. And it, 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 it has more meaning for us now than it did then, because we've gone through incredible hardships and challenges together. And and when things were like really boggy and murky and, um, you know, sometimes when in relationships, you kind of go like this, you know, when things yeah. can get really yes. hard and um, that word was just always like, no matter what, it's just no matter what, we're steadfast, no matter what. And that word has no quiver in it at all there's no doubt in that word it is like it's determined and it's absolute and um that's been that's been really powerful for us I mean everybody will be different but it was really powerful for us yeah I think in many ways just to speak some of these things into existence right I think mm -hmm. some of these things are they swirl around in our heads without us giving them a tangible container without writing them down without speaking them to to our partners to our families to our loved ones and I think that by doing that it it cements them more and it gives you more of that solid foundation to write a mission statement and I think you know you've written about that and you also showed some of that in your episode of Divergence. You showed mm -hmm. some of where that first farm and the way that it was asking you to live your lives, to produce more than, than just for your family and what that was taking away really motivated you to, to make a transition. And mm -hmm. we've come back to that in our lives, these, these moments. And I remember them with a surprising amount of clarity, like those moments when you realized, oh, we're not in alignment and a change needs to be made. And, and that doesn't always mean that that change happens uh, with immediacy, but it means that suddenly you can begin to reorganize your life around how to get back to that place of alignment. Uh, I, absolutely. And then, and now we're back at personal responsibility, right? Yeah. Cause there's no, there's no untethering of the two. And so, yeah, if we can see that we're in misalignment in our lives, well, first of all, we have to know what alignment looks like. And I think that's the, mm. the power of sitting down and writing these things because I mean, how you see things may be slightly different when you sit down as a couple and you write these things out, it, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, like you said, there's a general feeling and you got it. But when we, when we can sit down and, and actually write it out, and then we see that we're living in a different way, the only way to fix that is to take on that responsibility again, because yeah. 
it's, there's no other way to fix it. <laughs> I, I think this is a good jumping off point. We've, we talked a lot about this. We talked about this at the end of our last episode when we kind of finished recording and we talked about this at the front and it's just kind of another, another spoke of the wheel of personal responsibility is for ourselves. So we've kind of talked about it in relation in our marriages, but I want to I want to explore it for ourselves. You and I have had a lot of conversations on the side about having been quite sick and mm -hmm. what it means to be in service to and to have personal responsibility for our health in feeling better and what it has asked us to, that being in service to feeling better, what it has asked us to maybe give up that is not actually a sacrifice. I think to go back to this idea of we are burdened by these things. I think that often people living with whatever we want to call it, chronic illness or or heavy inflammation loads, there is this burdensome aspect of what you sometimes have to give up. And I think we've both had an experience of we have gained so much in doing this and kind of beginning to unpack our relationship with food as bio-individual humans that have this constellation of things that has converged to maybe make us feel the way we do on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. oh, no. I didn't frame yeah. that as elegantly as I wanted to, but. Oh, well, I thought it was quite <laughs> elegant. <laughs> and it comes back, comes back to personal responsibility too, again. But as far as like, you know, and I know we were just talking about this earlier too, but about, you know, the gift in having been so sick mm -hmm. and that we, that is such a powerful motivator to take care of ourselves now and to make sure that we are doing the things that we need to do in order to stay healthy and clear-minded and strong and, and emotionally stable and all those things. Um, but when you are really sick, it sure didn't feel like a gift to me, oh, like, no. and I'm sure not to you either. Like there, because you don't know, will I ever get out of this or is this my yes. life now? And that's terrifying. It is. It's terrifying. Uh, yes. Yeah. And I, it. yeah. And it's terrifying when you dip back. I had a little flare up recently and I was like, oh gosh, you know, what if this, what if mm -hmm. this devolves into, into not being able to get out of bed again? And, you know, through yeah. the, it was interesting through the flare up, I experienced pain, but not exhaustion. And I couldn't believe my relief at pain because exhaustion for me is a whole, uh, I'd rather do anything than be yeah. so tired that I can't yeah. do anything. Yeah. I understand that. I, I, me I remember doing chores because this was at our first farm and I remember still having to wake up and do chores and crying. Like, <laughs> and I'm not a crier oh, yeah. really, you know, but I like just, walking from the house to the to the water trough to yeah. open up the water was like I, I felt like I was moving through like frozen molasses you know yes. it was just I had no I used to say to my husband there's no ATP in my body I have nothing energizing me like I'm just mm -hmm. but <clears throat> so I know like I've been to those depths and you know to I would never say to someone who's in that position oh this is a gift no. oh this is wonderful no. you know of course not like it's hell um but I I think like having come out of that um now 
I am very much motivated by the fact that, you know, when I get, if I go off what I, there are things I need to do to take care of myself and to be in this world and to show up as how I want to show up. And if I don't do those things, whatever, you know, I know that I can go back to that place. So I can choose to make that a fearful based decision, like, oh my God, I don't want to be there. It's horrible. It's, you know, I don't think like that at all. Mm-hmm. I actually think what a profound gift that I know what the things are that I need to do and that I can do in order to keep myself where I am and that my body in return responds to those things. Like, whoa, that's like, it's amazing, you know, for having been as sick as I've been. And we were talking about too, like our histories when we were younger, we both had poor health and some health stuff. And I I actually think that's important. I just want to pause on that really quick for people, because I think before we get into where we're going, Mm -hmm. the experiences that we had as children throughout our lives shape where we are now and make this a very individual experience, not a one-size-fits-all experience. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And like for myself, you know, I was raised on soy formula and and I had chronic strep throat um, as a kid. It was so bad um, that I would be on antibiotics, amoxicillin, um, six to eight times a year. Um, oh, for heavy yeah. dose. Yeah. And then, you know, that went up until I was 14, they finally decided to take out my tonsils. And then um, I had really bad skin flare ups. And so then I was on tetracycline for four and a half years, continuously. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. you know, and, and I was smoking cigarettes and drinking Slurpees and yep. yeah, drinking alcohol and yeah. uh, a lot. So, I mean, the fact that I feel like now in my 50s that I can be where I am, um, it's been like a heck of a journey for sure. Um, But it's it's a profound gift and it's a gift that's earned, you know, because it just Mm -hmm. it's not going to just show up (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you have to work for it. Absolutely. And so that really. you know, I, I was saying like, you know, I don't have the sense, like if I don't do these things, I'm going to go back to that place. It's like, I get to do these things and I get to be in this place. Like the distinction there is really important. It is. I think. Yes. I'm in service to how I want to feel. And that is a really beautiful thing because it makes that decision-making process around what I put in my body or the ways that I move throughout my day, a pretty easy decision process because I've identified Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that don't make me feel good and the things that make me feel fantastic. And so I get to lead in service to who I want to be and how I want to feel tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, in 10 years, and kind of on this, this moving time frame of it's a good thing to be in service to. I'm mm-hmm. in service to my body. I'm in service to myself and I'm responsible for mm-hmm. that self and that body. And that's forever evolving too, 
right? I think yes. we can't, it's not like you're going to find that, you know, when I was really sick, I was going to all these different doctors and I was just, you know, when I find the right doctor, when I get on the right supplement or when I get on the right regime, I will be cured. And I remember, I don't know if I read or listened to something and it was like, that's not how it's going to work. And I was just pissed off and discouraged by that. Like, I was like, of course, that's going to be how it works. But it was, I, it, it, to, I had to finally get to the place where I was like, there is no doctor. There nope. is no, there is no one solution. Nope. And no one is going to take care of me. I have to do this myself. Yeah. And that was like, that was really um, at the deepest, darkest place when I was sick was, was admitting to myself that I could stop chasing after every car that drove by, you know, trying to find that thing, but that it had to be me. And when you feel miserable and you are sick, you're like, how do I even summon up the, the moxie that I need to take this on myself? it seems impossible. And so I have great compassion for people that get stuck in that place and, and just continuously chase for things outside of themselves. But by finally saying, okay, well, I can do this one thing today, or I can do this thing. And I'm starting to educate myself more and starting to uh, be willing to let go of things that weren't working for me. Even if someone else told me that's perfect thing for you, and I'm like, is it, you know, and learning my body, it, it, it's, um, it's an unsatisfying answer to give people. I it understand is. that. Yeah. And I chased, I chased a lot. I chased a lot of, I chased a lot of squirrels, uh, yeah. looking for, looking for an, an answer. And I think that this is something that we are, you know, we're sold this in society, that there are these, these blanket one size fits all answers for all sorts of things. And there's a mm -hmm. magic cure, a magic bullet that is just going to fix everything. And mm -hmm. the truth is that it's a constellation of things coming from your own, the constellation of what it is to be Kate or what it is to be Tara, which is so multifactorial. And right. so here we have these multivariate answers for these multivariate people. And it means that everything is going to be pretty unique to you and is going to be something that happens in concert. And mm -hmm. I remember, I also remember the moment when I had to stop chasing single things and try to work it, work the problem from within, from the, what my body was experiencing, what I was feeling, the research that I had to do because nobody was there to do it for me and doctors weren't mm -hmm. doing it for me. Mm -hmm. And what was that like for you? I think at first it felt like a burden because mm -hmm. sickness felt like a burden and so everything felt so heavy right like it it feels like you're you're carrying around these heavy stones just when you when you go out to do chores in the morning and so mm -hmm. it felt like picking up yet another heavy stone that oh okay well this is this is my responsibility but as i started unpacking you know what was what was in this burden slowly one thing could come well what what's one thing that i can do right now can i 
Can I go outside and get light in my eyes first thing in the morning? Can I mm -hmm. be in devotion to not turning on or scrolling through my phone or blue light at night and, and read by candlelight instead? And to see how much one or two things would move the dial and to mm -hmm. have a little bit more energy and to begin a slow process of coming out. And it is a process, but I think with each, which with each thing that I unpacked, there was a, a sense of relief, a sense of strength, a sense of wanting to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now you brought that all with you, <laughs> you know, yeah. now you're feeling good. I hope. Yes. Very, very <laughs> and, better and, than I ever thought I would feel for the, like yeah. better than I ever imagined possible. Yeah. Same. I mean, I, in retrospect, I can see like when I got really sick, there was a lot of getting sick before I got to that spot. Yeah. And yeah. it was like in that getting sick, mm -hmm. that not listening to my body that like constantly pushing myself or constantly doing things that, you know, I'd get some body feedback and I'd be like, man, you know, I would never really want to tie it to the things I did because I was liking the things I was doing. Yeah. Um, but all of that now that I've, that I've learned and that I've like summoned in myself and I've been able to develop in myself comes with me now on this other side. And, you know, life does all sorts of things to us. We have no idea what's going to happen. You know, everything is constantly evolving and changing and shifting. And I have now like profound set of tools where you know I'm really not worried about it because I know I'll figure it out yeah. and you earn that that's what you earn by coming out of those things yeah I, I love when you said that our health is a gift that we have earned right this has been worked for mm -hmm. this has been earned and I think you know we talked about before before we hit record we talked about this idea of you have to learn to listen to your body and to hear what it's telling you. And when you said that, yeah, I was getting sick for a long time before I was at that rock bottom of illness. And I was doing things that I, if I had maybe paused, I could have said, okay, this isn't, I can feel that this isn't having a, a good reaction with my body mm -hmm. and in mm -hmm. this space. And that's, I think that's so missed, so, so missed with everything from cancer to autoimmune disease like every sort of illness it's always you know i'm sure we've all heard he was such a healthy guy and then he just dropped dead you know we always hear stories like that and or you know people have cancer out of the blue but everything was fine before that and you know i just don't buy it it's not that i think people are lying i think it's that people are so detached yeah. from the signals of their body it makes no sense for this living you know body of ours that whose whole mission is to keep us alive and to keep everything pumping to not be like yo there's a problem here. hello <laughs> hello it's like oh yeah everything's great you know no i don't think so and so i think that's why it's so important and I mentioned to you, like, I often have like younger women that will say to me, like, how do you listen to your body? How do you do that? How do you even do that if you've not done that before? And, you know, there's, um, I think that 
most people just go from cradle to grave and never, never really develop that. And so you do get these like, oh, these shocker illnesses, you know, where our, our bodies, but I think illness shouldn't just be like the time of diagnosis. We need to look at this like on a much wider margin, you know, the illness, what happened before that and all those things and what was going on in your life and what were you eating and how were you living? And, you know, there's so much in that that helps you with that little spot where you actually get a diagnosis or you get really sick or whatever. Um, because that's where all that's where the story is really that's where all the truth is is in that period before that time um mm -hmm. but in order to do that in order to do that for all of us whether someone is sick or not sick is we have to be tied into our bodies and listen to listen to the signals that we get um what, what do you so think it is i was thinking back to our conversation about personal responsibility and that you have to feel it right mm -hmm. and we don't always want to feel it, that we don't want to feel difficulty, that we don't want to feel hardness or sadness or grief or, or the heaviness of responsibility. And I think that there's something here with our bodies too. What, why don't, why don't we want to be here? Yeah. Why don't we want to be here, Kate? <laughs> oh boy. That's a big question. Well. I mean, I think we're disconnected from ourselves as much as we're disconnected from each other, mm -hmm. disconnected from our place in nature, which yeah. is, which is our home. Yeah. Um, it's also our body. It's it is all the things body. that make up our body is absolutely place and food and home. Yeah. And so, you know, we are all walking around with these voids in ourselves that we keep filled up with noise and distraction you know, um, screens or porn or, or food or cigarettes or pot or whatever, like we've got endless possibilities of distracting ourselves from settling into ourselves and actually getting to know who we are and connecting to people, being vulnerable with people, being willing to just have authentic meaningful conversations i mean all these things um are you know we're you know just kind of like these hollow little souls and and we fill ourselves up with the noise and the distraction and the scrolling and all these other things and and it's just creating the bigger and bigger wedge between us and each other and what how how we're actually supposed to be here as human beings and and interacting on in this world and and as a part of this world as a part of you know nature is not um supposed to be a, a dog walk for 15 minutes a day we are our nature we're not we don't participate in it we are of it and and i think that um we've just so so easily and casually kind of you know, these things were irrelevant, brush them away. It's not important. You know, the things that are important in life are the the tangible, the measurable, the, the, the food, the water, the, you know, fun, the, you know, the things, and the things, the, things, all the things. Yeah. And, um, how could we not, you know, like we're, we're living in a zoo. 
I mean, not yeah. all of us, but it's a We're zoo. living in captivity. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the... Our bodies are, you know, and, and you talk about this this year, our bodies are our homes. This is your year of 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 the home, of the house, of both mm -hmm. your body and, and your physical dwelling. I mean, your body is your physical dwelling. And mm -hmm. I think that it ties us to everything else, right? Like this meat suit is what ties our spiritual soul experience of this life into reality. And mm -hmm. so the less we are connected into the tangible natural world that we are inextricable from, I think it's harder to feel the reality of the blood and bones and flesh that houses us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much. And, you know, every now and then when a little squeak gets through or a little nudge gets through, we just take a pill to shut it up and continue yeah. on with our way. Yeah. 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 Fill it with something else. Yeah, exactly. When we do listen though, and to, to bring it back, like when we, mm -hmm. when we do listen and learn to listen. And I think that, you know, and you, you said this when we were talking before, but sometimes asking the question, how do I listen to my body? How do I hear my body is the first step in, in, in identifying those things. Mm -hmm. And I think once you have an idea of what that is, that is when that is when you can be in service to this different feeling and to feeling better and to begin to make choices that are in alignment with how you want to feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, sometimes just connecting with our body is something as simple as like breath work or sitting on the earth in silence and, you know, just being with ourselves or when we, you know, paying attention when we eat something, how do I feel an hour later? Like, am I irritable? Like, am I hungry again? Am I feeling okay? I mean, it's just, it's just very simple practices, but the more you do it, the, the stronger that muscle grows and, you know, you can start, you, you don't have to get horribly ill in order to be able to listen to your body. You know, um, you can just pay attention. It's just paying attention, having enough quiet, having enough stillness to start actually looking for that feedback you know, instead of it having to bonk you on the head because it's so profound, you can actually go looking for it. Mm -hmm. How do I feel right now? Do I have a lot of energy? You know, what did I eat today? What did I eat yesterday? What did I do? Was I staring at blue light emailing people? <laughs> in the morning? Yeah. You know, like, could it be any of these things? Um, and then changing it down, like just, yes, do, I'll do it. Do something. Do it. Yeah. You have to, you have to be in service to your highest self and your highest, how that looks for you is very different than it looks for everyone else. And it has nothing to do with, you know, what the stuff you've accumulated in life, materialism, anything like that. But you as a person, like, how can you be your highest self? You cannot be it. You cannot show up in this world in your full glory in your full expression of who you were 
put here to be if you are numbing yourself and distracting yourself it's an impossibility yeah and, and that's we, a goal worth uh, like worthy of us all like it is a goal yeah yeah Yes, to be what you said earlier, to be the love that you want to give in this world. Mm -hmm. And sometimes doing that requires you to not feel grouchy because of something you ate or to be in pain. And we talked earlier too, and I want to bring this in that, you know, I know for my husband, Josh, that he doesn't get this immediate feedback that I get from from eating certain things or from certain habits in his life he uh as as clearly as i do and i think you know part of being a canary in the coal mine is that we're mm -hmm. sensitive and we get this this sort of immediate if i don't eat something in 2 hours i will know that i have made <laughs> yes <laughs> i will know what i have done fatal error <laughs> <laughs> <A> big mistake <laughs> yeah. and so he has actually had to work to be in service to something a lot bigger and a lot further out. And in some ways, I think it's harder. And he talks a lot about it. he wants to be riding horses in his 80s. He wants to be farming in his 90s. And he wants to be able to, you know, hold a hoe and, and do work on the farm. And so his motivation has to come from a, a more distant place. Now, I think that, that sometimes he things can be noisy for Josh and he might miss some immediate feedback, but mm -hmm. he, he has a much heartier constitution as it were. Right. Yeah. And exact same thing with Troy. He's so, you know, he, he is incredibly receptive to things I want to do. Like, you know, even with like food or eating or whatever, he's, he's, he really, accepts that I know more about that than he does. And so yep. he'll follow my lead with that. And yeah, I follow Josh calls his me lead. his little witch. I, yeah. I don't know. That's just like Kate's <laughs> little witch stuff. She just, she just hands me food and sometimes a supplement and I don't know what it is. <laughs> that's, that's Troy too. He's like, I'm happy. Just give it to me, whatever I trust. Yep. <laughs> um, but it's, but same thing. Like his constitution is so, he made it my husband made a decision when he was 14 years old that he would never not have abs. Okay. Visible abs. <laughs> He's now midlife. He still has visible abs and it's, yeah. he does, he, you know what he does? He eats what I put in front of him. Like it's, it's not like, and he's never had like a profound illness. He's it's the same as what you say about Josh, like little staticky things get in the way and he doesn't, I have to be like, you know, you should, maybe we need to address this. You know, I, I also okay. Oracle in my witch work. <laughs> I am also an Oracle. Are you, how are you feeling? What's going on? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Are, are you sure? Well, there is like this little thing. That, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, do you remember what you did last week? Do you remember doing that? Could that be why? Oh yeah, I guess it could be a lot. I guess so. <laughs> but it's it's true, and that I think, um, you know, I I think that if you do have, um, whatever it is that makes that type of constitution that makes you so you know resilient in that way, it's it's great. But he would also say, and he has said about 
me is that he doesn't think he'd be where he is um, yeah. if I hadn't have, you know, guided us around the food stuff. Yeah. Because when I met him, like, it was like, uh, you know, typical bodybuilder, chicken breast and salad diet, you know, yeah. it was just like, and, and refined carbs and stuff like that. And so I, in that way, um, having sort of come to this place that I am, um, he just has total faith and trust in me that, that he can, he can give that part of his world to me, you know, just yeah. like I give much of my load oh, yes. to him, he carries. Um, and I'm happy to do that. I mean, I'm, me too. Yeah. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to help him feel his best. Absolutely. Um, and to, and to be a part of, of building that part of our lives in a way that we feel that we can depend on it in a, in a physical and mental level so that we can love and live and work with the with the joy and the energy that we want to do that with and josh takes so much of other things mm -hmm. in this reciprocal relationship that i don't i don't do yeah so, i don't know um, i i uh it's the same with us like there's just things he does and things i do and yeah. it it works out beautifully because it plays into each of our strengths. So, yeah. But like, like Josh said, you know, he wanted to, um, he wants to be riding a horse in his eighties and he wants to, and I think, I mean, that for me is such a huge motivator as well. You know, we had our first grandchild last year and like, it's like, you know, I want to be down in the dirt with these, my grandchildren and just you know, being able to get up and have fluidity and have a clear mind and, and have strength in my muscles. Like I want to be able to show up for life in that way until I'm, you know, as long as I possibly can. Um, and we can look around at us and see like senior citizens that some of them, I mean, I know people that are in their late sixties, early seventies that are crouched over and like, it's, that does not have to be the way that we are in this life. And so no. that too is a great gift and having been ill and, and understanding like profoundly what I need to do for my body. And, and some people don't have to do that for their body. And I mean, they're bless them. Like I, I, I'm not saying that what I have to do, everyone else has to do, but I know no. myself enough to know that, this is what I, this is the way that I have to operate in the world. And, and it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I was literally, and it's not a burden. It's not no. a burden when I am out and I have to, uh, I think we share that nightshades are not our friends. Um, <laughs> no, no. no. Oh. and I have to forego a tomato. Oh yeah. If, I know. Okay. I have to forego a tomato, but what I get in return is to this. I mean, I get to have this conversation free of pain, free of brain fog, free of feeling yeah. like somebody put razor blades inside my belly uh, yeah. with tomatoes specifically. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and yep. the downward cascade from that. And I'm not sure we talk enough about it, it's not even really a sacrifice. 
-hmm. It's not really an even exchange. My vitality for a tomato, that scale is pretty easy for me to feel out. I mean, I can look at a tomato ripe on the vine because I grow them for Josh, who who loves a yep. tomato. And I can remember <laughs> that that was great. And I can appreciate that what I have in that moment of being free of pain is is better for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I just, that's such an important message for people to hear, I think, because, you know, I'll often get questions about sort of how I eat and they'll be like, Oh my God, how, how do you do that? I, oh, you know, I had, um, I had a woman and I think we've probably all heard this, you know, I, I, Oh, I'd rather die than give up cookies and cake. Like I'd rather die. And I'm like, really, really? Like, are you serious? you would rather die. Oh, I couldn't do it. Really, you couldn't do it, you know, and there we are in that words become our creative, you know, they're not descriptive, they're creative. Mm -hmm. And you are literally telling yourself this will never be. This will never be our fate. I promise you, I'll never mm -hmm. give up the cookies or the or whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, and um, I don't have that sense of I'm being punished. I'm being burdened. I mean, yes, you and I and nightshades, we should start like a no nightshade club. <laughs> no nightshade club, <laughs> not friends. Yeah. And no. there's a lot gluten, that sugar. Uh, yeah. I, there's there's, I there's mean, a there's whole laundry list for me. For me too. For me too. And, but, you know, the things that I get to eat are profoundly nourishing and to me profoundly delicious and yes. i've learned how to cook them and i i think that when i was really sick if someone said look in order for you to get better you're not going to be able to eat this 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 and you know you're going to only be able to eat this and when i, I it would have been too much it would have been overwhelming so i can understand how people hearing this message if they're in that place it might kind of seem like incredibly restrictive um, you know, how I eat or how you eat or how people that like maybe have have sort of focused on traditional foods, I think is the number one thing for everybody if you can do that. But, you know, and then from there, elim starting to pay attention to your body and eliminating the things that don't that don't jive that make you feel like heck, but I never I I just don't feel like I'm missing out on something because I know what is going to happen in my body. I grow tomatoes too, and they're beautiful. And I mark them. I'm like so pretty, but too bad you're a deadly nightshade. Like, <laughs> yeah. You ain't getting in my body. Like nope. No. I don't want to feel like I'm. I've eaten razor blades. I'm good. I'm good. I'll just let that tomato be beautiful in vision. Exactly. But, and, but I can eat little baby summer squashes and I can roast them in ghee and coarse salt and they're phenomenally delicious. Like With some basil. Oh God. I, oh, my mouth is watering just thinking about it. But, <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been interesting to me for me as well, because this year we were like always growing about 85, 90% of our own food and this year we decided like for one year, we're going to do a hundred percent. And, you know, that, uh, that 15% is that little wiggly, like it's coffee and it's like, um, you know, maybe some spices we didn't grow, or maybe it was just, 
you know, if we, a friend of mine was growing organic meat chickens and I don't raise meat chickens. I am not a big fan. I like other fowl better. I would get some from her. And so like all these things. And then you sort of have like, you know, you buy a bag of organic wild frozen blueberries as an example, right? But you're eating them in November or you're eating them in December when Mm -hmm. they wouldn't even be. So all these things that we realized we were sort of bringing in were things that actually threw us out of alignment with seasonal eating and with eating from our farm. Every single one of them. Because if they didn't, we would have it here to eat, right? And so that, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So that has really been another level for me of feeling. I think to some people, they might say like, oh my God, like you guys are surviving on like, well, carrots, turnips, um, potatoes, which I can't eat potatoes or I don't eat, but Troy does. Um, you know, sort very basic root vegetables and some fermented vegetables um, and some canned stuff. But that's um, almost like it's a condiment to anything. So it's really like the animal products, the fats, the proteins, yeah. the organs that are making up like the bulk of our diet. We don't milk in the winter either, right? No. Because we just do grass-fed dairy. So, so it's been... It's been even more what some people might view from the outside as even more of like restriction because our diets have gotten even tighter, but it has profoundly opened up um, new ways of, of feeling and of being that I think the other stuff was interrupting or creating a sort of static oh. around. Tell so- me. Tell me more. I, w- I want to hear more about that because it's 15% of your diet, but to have it be profound means that it's it's changing you in, in more ways than, than just that little sliver. Yeah. Well, and it, look, this, I think some people might not quite get this, but I, we, Troy and I actually enjoy being restricted in things. Yeah. I, I, I don't like pretending there's endless abundance because there's not, and we can all see what we've done in this world with that idea. But I feel like, um, living as close as I can. And, and I, I, this is a work in progress and will be till I die, but trying to live really embedded in nature as a part of nature, like we were talking about before means eating, according to what is on offer at any given time, um, as well as we can. And it also means, um, you know, the light around us, like we were talking about earlier, being outside for sunlight, being outside, having the sun on our skin at night, putting on either our red glasses or doing everything by firelight, or we have little, we have little, um, uh, oil lamps that we use Mm -hmm. I'm like addicted to oil lamp but or candles or whatever but all of these things um could be seen as as restrictive ways of being right like you're not just flicking on your switch or you're not just you know eating whenever you're not just eating whatever but that when we got rid of that last 15 percent well first of all I didn't really realize I think um these extra bits until 
um, we had limited amounts. So like another, you know, as an example, so we have our own garden, obviously, and um, I preserve, let's just say cucumbers. I, I both pickle them and I can them. Um, sorry, I mean, I pickle them and I ferment them. And I have a fridge that has like all of our fermented stuff in it, but I'm one person and I'm certainly not going to, um, you know, do that with 30 jars that will keep me for the, for the year or whatever. I'm going to do it with eight jars or 12 jars or whatever it is. And so there's an, a, an honest accounting of your life in a way, <laughs> right? Because, <laughs> yeah. well, we're running out <laughs> or yes. like, you know, I, uh, in the, in the summer, I make all my butter for the year. Um, and it's there. I can see how much butter I have. And when it's gone, I'm not going to go be able this year to go and buy some more from my friend who makes raw butter because, you know, so it's just, it's like, it, it mm. um, contains you yeah. in a way that, that, you know, you have to be a little bit more um, careful about, about what you do and, and how you eat. I, I think, um, you know, every summer I bring in an organic fruit order from Niagara, which is this big fruit growing region here in Ontario. And um, I have a buying club that I started, I think it was 16 years ago, a very long time ago. And so we get this big, beautiful fruit because you can't grow fruit where I am, but it's, you know, from a few hundred kilometers away. And so we get these big crates of organic cherries and organic peaches. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if you if you want to eat that in the middle of winter, well, you you have to process it. There's no there's no buying fruit here. There's yeah. no you know, and this is you know, this is a bit of a tangent, but this is what really gets me with this sort of whole idea of like drinking orange juice every day. And like, you know, a lot of these health movements have these prescriptive um, ways that you have to eat without ever asking, where do you live? Or like it's a complete severance from where you live, how you live, who you are. Like, you know, mm -hmm. that's why none of these these programs that people just jump from program to program to program, mm -hmm. they feel better for a while, then they start feeling lousy and then they go to the next one and to the next one. When what we need to be doing is letting that stuff go, connecting and being a part of nature and living according to what is around us um both in the day like with our circadian rhythm but also seasonally and I think a lot of that missing what's missing in a lot of that like most people know okay there's no bananas growing outside of my door right now and I'm eating bananas should I be eating bananas that's kind of basic but a lot of our um lack of knowledge around farming and farming practices um means that a lot of people don't understand that animals have a cyclical way of of being and they have a height of nutrition that they yes. share with us through their bodies and they have times um when they are depleted too yes. and maybe we shouldn't be eating from their body at that time and so i think mm. that you know i'll often hear in these even in conversations where someone is trying to eat more seasonally they totally miss that point like they totally miss that point and i think that's a i think that's an important thing to consider as well our bodies are made up of 
place. I mean, they're made up of these nutrients that are these animals, are these vegetables that have received light and nutrients from soil that then become us. And there is a cycle and a rhythm to that. And I think that we have this, we have been sold this idea of growth in perpetuity and of abundance in perpetuity. And, you know, the refrigeration breaks a seasonal cycle. And while I certainly use refrigeration, like it's mm -hmm. good to look at, like, what are these cycles and how do I tie into them? And how is my body made up of all of these constituent parts and what happens when I'm eating a, you know, a, a blueberry from Chile in the middle of January. And then mm -hmm. what does that place tell my biology? Because I think that there is this conversation that is unfolding between our biology and our environment where we are taking in these nutrients and they are providing us with information at a, at a genetic and an epigenetic level. And telling our mitochondria too wh where we are and what time of year it is and and what the sun is doing and what's available to us. Exactly, yeah. Every everything we consume, and I mean, what an intimate act, you know, to open our mouths and bring something into our bodies. Yes, that then mean, becomes us. It becomes it us. becomes us. I don't yes. know if there is intimacy beyond that other than pregnancy. It's that's very true. And to just pause before we eat something and to recognize that, you know, and 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 we used to do that through a blessing to our food. Um, we still do that. I, I don't think you have to be religious to do that. No, but to just pause and and enter into that union between this food and your body and to accept it and to show gratitude for it. Um, but like you said, everything we eat, that blueberry is, it comes with a whole message. It has its whole lifetime in this little blue ball and it's going into your body and letting it know this is where we are. This is the, I mean, and it, it no wonder things are chaotic inside of us. You know, yes. when we just, take in all this stuff you know a lot of times I even think about something like a hamburger from the grocery store and you know I've I've I remember looking into this and trying to maybe you know this Kate but I remember like there, I know there are multiple animals oh, in yeah. that hamburger like uh, you oh, know yeah. I've heard everything from a dozen to 200 so I don't know do you know what that number is I think it depends on where it's coming from my guess mm -hmm. is that it is most likely in the hundreds and not the dozens Right. And that's what I would think too. And I, uh, and now imagine that, right? Yeah. Like, let's just go with like a conservative number, like 50. Okay. Sure. There's the flesh from 50 animals in that bite of food you're swallowing into your body. It's chaos. Yeah. It's chaos and for a people for whom there was never any food except what was in their immediate vicinity. Maybe. 20 miles, 25 miles at most. Right. Right. And, and always what was in there, always connected to what is on offer at this time, you know, and then you can get really, you know, get into like the ideas of like ketosis and having like more carbohydrates and, and all of that is, is fluent and, 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 um, 
well, I can't find the word, but all of that is is completely tied to the seasonality of how we eat as well. When you do it, honestly, you know, when I'm here, um, I've got some stored root vegetables, which are getting very low and they're going to run out, um, you know, pretty quickly, probably within the next couple of weeks. We're not quite, we still have snow on the ground. So, you know, there'll be some wild vegetables that'll pop up, you know, maybe nettles, stuff like that. But nettles, we're not dandelions, gonna, winter yeah, grass, ramps. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, ramps. Ramps are coming. They're oh, almost yeah. here. They're I know. Coming. I'm listening for the spring peepers <laughs> and I'm waiting for the ramps. <laughs> yeah. But, but so we'll probably just be eating mostly animal products for that like time. And yeah. that's, that's fine. That's where we're supposed to be, you know? It's and then, anxious. It's exactly. rich. It's inviting. And, and then in July and August, there's going to be berries and there's going to be, you know, our, the fruit is going to start coming and there's going to be, you know, we'll be eating more carbohydrate then. And, um, you know, then there comes a time somewhere around October where our animals are dwindling. And now we're like, uh oh, you know, because we're getting low in that because we only harvest them in October and November after they've been on a whole season of rotating through pastures and they are at their most nutrient dense. Yes. They are at the, and this is another thing for people that, you know, it's not just buying meat in the fall because you can get it in bulk and fill your freezer. It's that that's where all the nutrition is in that animal is yes. at that time. And, and it's amazing how quickly, and, and I'll admit that we had to, we broke that rule this year. It's a rule for us and we, we had to break it, but well, um, so things, things happen. So I'll, I'll yeah. cop to that, but <laughs> we know, you know, some of the research that like Stefan Van Vliet is showing how quickly phytochemical richness actually begins to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. so when you take an animal that's out on summer grass and you put it on a feedlot within three months, all those phytochemicals that were there are gone. And that's going to happen too in winter. You're going to see a you're going to see a dip in their phytochemical richness and their body conformation and the amount of fat mm -hmm. that is present there. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a change in that at a at the level of the dark matter of nutrition and at the level of just being able to look at the vitality of that animal. I mean, I think the vitality of me of this human animal is also ready for summer. Exactly. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I think my vitality has declined and I, I've checked in with that, right? When you check in yeah. with your body and you're like, oh, little less energy, little bit grouchier, little, mm -hmm. little drier and, and a little yeah. feeling a little bit more like a husk and a little bit less like a full ripe berry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. Feeling like yeah. a bit of a husk, <laughs> bit of a husk, I'm a bit yeah. of a husk right now. <laughs> but I think that some of these, and I think the, what I'm going to call the gurutization of diets where you're chasing these things, ignore not just the sense of place that is critical to this conversation that we're having with our bodies through this intimate act that, right, you can, def def one of the definitions of intimacy is a union of particles. And mm. eating is, is most certainly that.
but it's also foregoing some of our bio-individuality of all of the, the life and the antibiotics. You know, for me, it's uh, a childhood filled with antidepressants and antipsychotics that I think really changed the way that my body and my brain work. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything that you did and took in all the slurpees, all the, all the different, all the drinking for me. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. a big one Mm -hmm. and brings us to this space where there is no drinking orange juice every morning that is going to work for everyone. And Mm -hmm. I think that it often overrides our ability to, again, to bring it back, to listen to our bodies Mm -hmm. and because we're being told that this will work. Well, right. this will work. And so when your body is suddenly 15 pounds heavier and that's not serving your body, mm-hmm. is it working? Mm-hmm. And and what are you asked to do when that happens, right? You're just told to do whatever you're doing harder. Yeah. Or, you know, to 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 whatever whatever the program is, you're supposed to do it harder with more determination. Mm. And and it's more of that overriding what you can clearly see and know and feel for yourself with the guru that's going to fix your issue and it's more of that turning over of your personal responsibility to someone else I mean it sure doesn't mean not learning about things and reading things I I'm a voracious reader and I love learning about things and trying things but I don't believe that any one person has all the answers there's a bald eagle flying outside of my window right now so saying hi Kate (laughs) that is so Um, special we have have one that whines in our tree and it whines because the the crows pick on it the red-winged blackbirds pick on the crows right they want the the red-winged blackbirds want the crows out gone by yeah. And so the the crows get grouchy and they pick on the they pick on the bald eagles and this bald eagle makes the most indignant. I mean, it, there's nothing regal or or majestic no, about regal. this noise. It is it is uh it is a whine of yeah. stop it. Stop it. You're yeah. making me stop it. And yeah, I'm special and then sometimes it eats our turkeys. I know that's you see them. You're like so beautiful. Get away from my dog. <laughs> Get away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We um, had to teach. We had to teach one of our dogs to to do aerial predators. She didn't. Did at you? First. Yeah, yeah. We had um. We had Goldberry is so smart. She's the smartest dog, and a bald eagle got one of our turkeys. A big tom, like a twenty five pound tom. I mean, oh, this eagle took wow. it down and was eating just the breast which i found disappointing for uh, i know fronts i call um, one eating a breast too yeah i know and come on the next time it happened josh and i went out and we pointed she's really she really understands a point and we barked we we barked at the at the yeah. eagle and and she got it and she is really fast now with aerial predators, especially birds of prey. And she can tell the difference between birds of prey and a goose. Um, wow. But she can't between birds of prey and a heron. So the, the gray herons, mm. she she goes after those two. <laughs> oh, wow, that's pretty handy though. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. She's, a, she's a smart cookie. She's a good girl. Nice. 
Um, um, what we were talking about. <laughs> totally we, we were in the bio-individuality of <laughs> looking at these gurus and having it. So not only are you divorced from nature now, you're also divorced from your own wisdom mm -hmm. and being told that you just have to try harder, go harder, do mm -hmm. more within that paradigm in order to heal. And I think that we can't divorce ourselves from those two things. And so any, any, any one size fits all diet that is telling you that you can be divorced from place and divorced from self and succeed. I have a lot of questions and that is still as somebody like, sometimes I think there's pieces in here, right? Like we can look at some of these healing modalities, some of these diets mm -hmm. and find pieces still. Yeah. Um, and I think as you and I are both researchers and experimenters, I like to experiment with myself. And I think that we can maybe find pieces, but it always has to come back to listening to yourself and to that conversation that you're having with place. Yeah, I think that's the most profoundly important thing that people need to understand is that it always does. You are a unique individual. You know, we do all react to things differently. And to be able to take something and try it out is great. It's wonderful. It's a way to change and evolve. But um, you have to be able to uh, release yourself from the dogma of it and have greater faith in your own body than in someone telling you that this is this is the way or this is going to be the thing for you. You know, I look at I look at, you know, having been on Instagram for a long time, and I'm not active there right now, but having been on there a long time, there was always something that came up that was new. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's great to have curiosity and to learn about things and everything. But I started noticing this trend that with a lot of these sort of guru types, is they would have the answer, they would have the way everything would be this is the way this is the way. And then all of a sudden, they changed to something else with no accountability around okay, I said that, here's why it didn't quite work. Here were the flaws mm -hmm. in my logic. So we could all kind of learn from this together. Instead, it was like, this is the way, no, actually, this is the way, this is the way, oh. this is the way with none of that sort of, um, you know, self-review and, and having these conversations. And then, and then it would move on to something else. And it was consistently always happening like that. And it was really it really turned me off because I was like, you, you don't get to just like have all the answers and then expect people to have faith and trust in you now when you have all the answers again. So they kind of lose their audience and they get this new audience that was right behind this new way of being. And it just continuously goes like that. And I think that's often what people end up doing in their personal lives is they'll try one thing and um you know they feel good at first because maybe they got rid of some garbage in their diet whether it's like you know vegan or carnivore whatever it is um but then they stick with it like they you know this made me well i'm well now this is the thing i do and meanwhile their body is giving them all this feedback like yeah not right not anymore like yeah this isn't great and so they try and get more and more strict with it. And I, I, I have been that person. Absolutely. I've been Me that too. way. And, and it, it goes nowhere. It just, it, 
always your body is going to be trying to talk to you always. Yeah. And if you just keep ignoring that by going from thing to thing, um, those messages start getting a lot stronger. Yeah. As, as I know, cause I got so sick, but I think too, and I, I want to bring this in, I think those messages change. And I think we have to remember yes. that our bodies are not static. And as we go through different phases of life, you and I talked some before, right? That I might eat a little bit more carbs than you do because we're, we're, we're in different trajectories in our space. Yeah. And as we traverse these, these spaces between maiden and mother and grandmother and and this sort of idea of how our bodies change in that space and this happens for men as well to I think a little bit little bit different for men but mm -hmm. um and so those messages that our bodies are receiving shift with time and with where we are and with what we're doing in the world too with our experiences mm -hmm. absolutely like uh, I could not I mean not even the types of foods but I mean I, I think back to even my 30s when I was eating a very traditional foods diet I couldn't I couldn't eat that volume of carbohydrate now it's just uh, my body is very different and so we have to constantly if I wasn't listening to the feedback of my body I'd be like gosh I used to eat this way before and it worked for me and I felt great and you know I I would just keep trying to do my thing instead yeah. of like being like, no. Uh, and again, that goes to me, there's for me personally, there's humility in that, like to be able to be like, you know, I think I know, I, I know it has to, you know, this is, this is right because I've read all these things or I understand things and it's not necessarily <laughs> so. And so it's like a constant adjustment to, to where I'm at. And that, you know, we were talking about seasonal eating, like we also have seasons of our lives, like yeah. you said, and, and this is just the season of my life right now. And, you know, also, you know, if I do like a weight training day, I'm eating more carbohydrate than I wouldn't on a non weight training day, or if I have something that's, you know, if I'm at a certain point in my cycle, I might be eating more fat than I would eat the day before I don't measure mm -hmm. things. I'm not super calculated about stuff because it would make me crazy but me I just instinctively do these things mm -hmm. and shift things around based on how I feel but I know how I feel and that's the most again like I know I'm driving that point home but um that is we are our own guru like we've got yeah. it in us to figure yes. out we don't need to look at other people to give us no. those answers no and I love bringing this piece in. I actually noticed, you know, as I, as I inch towards 35, that there have been some, some shifts that things have changed a little bit in the way that my body works from what it was five years ago. And I will say too, that I think sometimes having been sick can kind of confuse it because it kind of confuses your baseline. And so it, it's good to get to where you have that connection because you can carry that with you instead of depending on how something felt then or now or any of right. these these places right yeah absolutely yeah. yeah I feel the same way all the time I I think that um I'm able to figure things out pretty quickly what yeah. works for me or what doesn't work for me and you know also it doesn't just because it doesn't work for me now doesn't mean it's never going to work for me I mean I'm willing to 
play around yeah. with things and be flexible. But, um, you know, when you figure out that spot where you feel pretty good, you don't, you're like, all right, I'm pretty happy here. I don't need to, you know, go off the rails and to try and introduce things that I just don't even think about or miss anymore. You know, I haven't eaten, as an example, like I haven't eaten grains in 30 years, I think. Um, it's, uh, I, I just, I don't even know how I would cook with them. So yeah. I, I just, it's not a thing for me, but people will be like, you don't eat cream like you don't eat bread and I'm like I know what would you do with it like don't you just put sandwich stuff in it like I I don't know it's not my thing I'm just I'd rather eat like a hunk of meat or something I don't know but I think it's such a gift I was um I was peeking at my notes and I was thinking about hmm, this is part of what we can control Number one, it's one of the few things like that we can control this to some degree, how we feel and how we appear in the world. And it is maybe forsaking to some, it might seem hard. I think that it has become routine and easy for me, but I also, it's, it's not going to be easy and that's okay right like when i sometimes when i look at my food we pulled a pork chop out of the freezer the other day and i thought about all of the hauling five gallon buckets of sprouted mm -hmm. feed to those pigs right mm -hmm. like sometimes we have to choose our hard like the version of hard that we want to be in and mm -hmm. and for me this this hard this hard of living with the seasons of working for my food has given me a lot and it's given me a sense a sense of that I have a I'll read trying to pick between these two quotes from you um yeah um I think I'm gonna go with this one um you said, I don't believe in easy anymore. It's been an unreliable, slippery carrot in my life. It eludes me with such fierce dedication that I've come to realize it's just not what I'm here for. I surrender to you easy. You're just not into me. I get it. I don't feel jaded or hard done by. I feel enormous gratitude for my life and I accept what is hard and sometimes seemingly impossible because I also intimately know the blessings in my life, the great love in my life. I don't believe that I could surgically extract the heartbreak and devastation and still have my life at all. It would be a life, but not mine. I want mine. Maybe that's a better thing to live by than by chasing an elusive, transient happiness. And, and I loved this because I think that sometimes when we go into these, these harder spaces, there are, there are surprising gifts in them. Mm. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about, you know, just taking out that pork chop and, and knowing all the hard stuff that went into getting that pork chop mm -hmm. to you. And I think um, that hard stuff is like the meaning of life. Like the fact that you, you know, spent hours of your energy and your time and your dedication to bringing that nutrition into your you know to well first of all in order for this pig to have a life worth living for a pig I mean yeah. you gave that to that pig 
right? Yeah. And had you not done that, that pig would not have had that. So mm-hmm. that that's profound in and of itself. And that when the pig goes, it leaves you in return its flesh to nourish you. I mean, that in and of itself is beautiful. So mm-hmm. for me, what is hard would be going to a grocery store and picking up a pack of pork chops. That's hard because it's asking me to trade my beliefs, my values, my morals, uh, what I think is right in this world for something that pretends to be easy. But that's mm. too high a cost. I'm not into it. Mm. That's just too high a cost. And that cost is the hardest thing to for me to live with. So what's hauling buckets? Who cares? It's my physical exercise. But that other stuff, I care about that. That's too hard for me. You said something, it pretends to be easy. And I Mm -hmm. think like so much of the things in our life, convenience is masquerading as ease. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why we put things behind veils so we don't have to admit and take on the whole truth of them, right? Yeah. It, that has to go hand in hand with what is offered is easy. Yeah. And it's trading your responsibility and your capacity for something that looks convenient, but in return, it's asking you to shut down parts of yourself that know that this is not true. It's illusory. There's something there, and I'm not sure what it is around the relationship too. that personal responsibility is masquerading as hard, you know, and I mean, it is, it is hard, but as, as burdensome, that's the word I'm looking for. Right. And and it's teasing out, looking at these things that we're being sold in modernity, in captivity, Mm -hmm. ah, convenience is easy. Is it at what cost? Exactly. Exactly. And I think we should all spend time thinking about that. In order to think about that, you have to be very clear about what it is that you value, that what you think you're putting into this world with your time here, what you're trying to do, what you can offer. And um, I think when we start getting really um, squared off with ourselves, really understand what it is that we want to do and what is going to be our guiding principles. Um, all those other things start to clarify around us yeah. and start to really see that these things that are on offer have a huge cost, a huge cost, way beyond money. I mean, money is whatever money, but I mean, I can't, I can't, accept those things into my life because I'm not willing to pay the price of dulling down or dumbing down or, um, you know, um, completely um, just not honoring the lessons that I've been taught, the experiences I've been taught, the things I've been given, you know, in this world. I have to let all that go in order to be okay with the ease of convenience and I'm not willing that's that's no that's not going to happen yeah 
I was just reflecting on, and I think that there is this through line that oftentimes when we become connected to ourselves in this way through our food, when we begin to listen to our bodies, that there are more, more gifts in that than just feeling a sense of vitality or a sense of wellness or mm -hmm. knowing what foods don't agree with us. I think that sometimes it opens up our clarity, our mental clarity to begin to see beyond the veil of what we are being sold mm, and to connect back to our values, not just our body, but our values. I don't know how to express that with the profundity that what you just said needs to be spoken with in order for people to really get that if they haven't gotten that in their own lives like it's such a it's such a missed or ignored um truth in our world like I think sometimes you know I look around and <laughs> you know people just are on edge and angry and um you know to to say you know okay it everything starts with our food everything does yes all these other things matter but while we're here we're contained within our bodies and if our bodies cannot function if our minds cannot function because they have no our brains are starving for animal fats i mean how many people in today's world like just in north america look around at the grocery store I, you know, little kids and in the, in the carts, there's, there's no animal fats. There's no. like vegetable oils. And if we know we need these basic things in our lives, the proteins, the good fats, you know, the wholesome unrefined vegetables and fruit, I mean, and we are not getting them, then how can anything else in our life be, be okay? I mean, it's, it's not everything, but it's, it's absolutely everything foundationally from which other things can grow and expand yes. or not. And um, when you say that, when I say that, um, sometimes people will be like, oh, Tara, it's not all the food. And I'm like, no, but do you not get that if we don't have that? And nobody, nobody's talking about that. Like nobody's really understand. I shouldn't say nobody. I mean, the broader society. Yeah doesn't yeah. quite get that they think that we can just stuff in whatever we want that entertains us and that the other things are separate things in our world and unless I think we get really unless we can really understand that that the nutrition of our bodies is in critical for everything else in our lives um I have you know, we're going to be lost at sea unless we can get this and yeah. people, people can really start implementing that in the, their lives. Because I mean, look at the use of, of, um, antipsychotics and antidepressants now, you know, oh, yeah. we all just have to look around. Mental illness is pervasive. Yes. And none of that can be touched. You can medicate it, but that's not healing anything. No, you know, none of it can be touched unless you get the foundation of of our bodies strong through our food. Yes, and I, I mean, I've I had that experience somewhat anecdotally, but I think that even 
even within those realms, we don't even understand what those drugs are doing. I mean, when you, I did a podcast looking a little bit at the history of the DSM and some of what the board that put together the diagnostics and statistical manual that we use to diagnose mental illness with came out later and said that we, we didn't even know what we were looking at. We were just kind of throwing things together. There was no evidence. And our bodies, so much of what we've talked about in this conversation, like our bodies are, are the vehicle with which we love our husbands with, with which we love our children with, you know, they, they power the love that goes into the cooked food that we bring to our communities and to the decisions that we make to these values, right? I, I, I don't fully believe in the, the idea of a mind body, right? Because it is all Mm -hmm. one it is it mm -hmm. is continuous like it is continuous in a way that it can't be teased out from one another in the way that I don't think in the span of my lifetime that my soul can be teased out of this either and that is again yet again continuous with the environment and the place that it is a part of mm -hmm. that there is this I'm reading this book by this this beautiful gentleman um, named Andreas Weber and this idea that we are continually cycling in and out of one another, the, the carbon dioxide that I exhale is going to become a part of the tissue of these plants. Mm -hmm. And so this continuum of where we are all cycling in and out of all the beings and organisms in our space is what makes up these beautiful abilities that we have to love, to decide, to to feed to nourish to write a mission statement on values i mean mm. all of these things and i want to have the best foundation possible to be in all of those relationships mm -hmm. the ones that i have chosen and the ones that i'm just cycling in and out of because i find myself here on earth yeah exactly and that's that's the great gift in seeing yourself as a whole being. I mean, you know, like you said, separating body from mind or from spirit as if any could be without the other, you know, we yeah. are just, we're us. And, um, you know, I remember um, it just made me think of this um, story when our, one of our daughters was 12 years old, um, she stopped eating, just lost her appetite for just out yeah. of the blue no no issues or anything and um it um that ended up being a year-long saga with her going to a doctor and then another referral and another referral and ending up at an eating disorder clinic where they diagnosed her with anorexia even though she had no uh, outward symptoms and she was like, I think she was 12 years old and she was like 80 pounds. Like she was just um, very thin. Um, and it was just astonishing to me to be, I remember in that waiting room and looking around at all these ghosts of, of young people, you know, with some of them with like nose tubes to feed them. Mm. And they were all waiting for their appointment with the psychiatrist. And, you know, 
daughter would go in with the psychiatrist and they would try to speak to her brain and be like, you know, give her the common sense tools she needed to override what was going on biochemically. And I, it just puzzled me that we say, you know, and, and this applies to every really mental illness, you know, that we, that these, that, you know, there's something, there's a hiccup in the brain here, but we need the brain to fix the hiccup. Like it just, it's, it's such a paradox to me. And, you know, I thought, how can, if what's going on with her is biochemical, how can that, what does, is it just so targeted? You know, like when people are, are depressed, is your brain so targeted with the depression that there's another part of you that can override the depression by talking to a counselor or a therapist? Like it just, it was such a bizarre thing for me. Um, but anyways, uh, it turned out she didn't have anorexia at all. She had uh, incredible strep infection, which caused pandas, which is this like almost autoimmune-like disease um, where when they develop the strep, they, they can, it can do all sorts of things in the body. It can create ticks or OCD. And I had found out about it by researching it and we were able to correct um, everything that was going on with her by simply um, treating the strep uh, with herbs actually. And by um, giving her profound amounts of fat because her brain was starving because she hadn't eaten in yeah. so long. So yeah. profound amounts of raw cream, coconut oil, you know, this whole thing. But anyways, um, the thing that I really took away from that, and I still think about, um, you know, having to go through that for um, a year, it was absolutely horrible. Um, I used to have to sit with her and get her to eat things. And it was just, anyway, I, we don't have to get into all of that. But I just remember those young people in that waiting room and all of them being asked to find that spot in their brain to override what was clearly a biochemical imbalance yeah. and, and start, you know, to fix that um, based on logic when their bodies were completely depleted and emaciated yeah. And then they're a failure if they don't do it, right? It's it's like, it's just the cruelest of things um, to separate the mind or the body or the spirit as if, you know, the mind can get in there and like take control of everything. It just, it's it's a fiction. And um, without the health and, and, you know, the proper, the proper functioning of our body, the mind can't do anything because it is part of our whole being. Um, but yeah, I, I still, uh, I just, I have such, you know, I remember at the end of all that, talking to the doctors and explaining what we had done and why our daughter suddenly just ate normally and never has had an issue again. You know, she's 27 years old, never nothing. She, because it was a strep infection and them being completely disinterested. Um, and not even wanting to talk about it, you know, and, and I wonder how many of those kids in that waiting room maybe could have been helped by that and what happened to them. But um, that's, that's how we operate in this society. I think that's what happens when Western medicine is seen 
as medicine or is seen as health. And Mm -hmm. it's not at all. And it's only one form of what could have been and what is in many other places. But we just all, you know, like in Canada, we have socialist medicine, right? We pay, it's it's free because we pay incredible taxes Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. it. Free. Yeah. Yeah. But I have no choice. If I get sick, then then science and health is this allopathic Western medicine. That's what it is. You know, when that's not what it is, actually. No. No, and I I I have to wonder what it says about a people that have created a body of medicine and allopathic medicine that is so incurious. What does that say about the foundation from which they're coming from? And and this is speaking to one of my values, right? We talked about values earlier. Curiosity is one of mine. And it is coming from the space that I want to find myself curious when different options are presented to me. And so the idea that a doctor didn't find any of his own curiosity in what Mm -hmm. you relayed to him, and that I think what we've seen in the last three years, and I think what we see in general is a complete lack of curiosity from these institutions. Mm -hmm. And they are offering in lieu of curiosity, a one size fits all pharmaceutical agent or, you know, lever to, to fix, cure, whatever that is Mm -hmm. without looking at the, the body, mind, spirit whole that we can't tease out. But I can't help but wonder what it says about an entire culture's foundational nutrition that there isn't any curiosity, because I think that curiosity is in some ways, a sign of health. And I think we see this with animals, right? Like, you know, a a goat that's sick isn't going to have a lot of, ooh, like, what's this new plant? Or it, mm-hmm. they're not going to have that vivacity. And so maybe our incuriosity is as much a symptom as it is anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And how sad that that is the case that there are all these options available to us and all I've read the essay where you talk about you talk about her pandas diagnosis and mm-hmm. go through that and I'll link that in the show notes for anybody that that wants to read through that because I think that these are the stories that help us find find our health again you know, mm-hmm. for those of us that have been sick, like the stories that you and I just told and telling that story about your daughter. If these things aren't out there, then people can't find their way outside of the little tiny captive box we've been given. Yeah, it's very true. And I think that we shouldn't take anything for granted along with what you're saying with curiosity is just questioning everything, um, you know the system of medicine that we're being governed by, even the, the you know, the rules that are placed on us, um, the regulations that are put on us. I think all of these things um, are important in us excavating ourselves too, but also how we want to be in the world and, and who we want to be with in the world and how we want to operate. And, you know, we're in such tumultuous times right now that I think, 
a lot of people are considering, you know, what these systems are even about and if we can even depend on them. And if we can't depend on them, then what do we need to do to in order to have security in our lives? And, um, you know, that can be, I mean, I, everything from like school systems, yeah. <laughs> you know, to um, the governing bodies around, um, for, for us, I know like one of the things we've been looking at a lot is the uh, regulations around farming and, yeah. and the direction that that's going in. And, and um, you know, do I even want to be a registered farm or do I want to just operate on the down low? You know, there's like so many things that we need to um, dig into, not not to create fear in our lives, but to mm -hmm. to take on that responsibility to build the security in our lives. And that's a really different way of looking at it. But health is a big one because I think most of the people that I know generally, not my sort of inner circle, but generally, um, you know, they're, I think a lot of people got, uh, they're woken up a little bit over the last three years and they're like, you know, people can say, well, the pharmaceutical, you know, pharm the pharmaceutical companies are corrupt or they're, you know, all about money and stuff like that. But deeper than that, like, why are we even in a model of health that just treats disease? And, you know, there's different ways we can do that. You know, there's different yeah. ways we can create these systems that are just here to make us thrive. And, and the, I think that that's where we need to be putting our attention, even if it's just on an individual level and where we can talk to other people about it. That's why I think, like you said, like when that essay that I wrote, you know, and I've also talked about why 30 years ago, I didn't vaccinate our children. I did yeah. the first set yeah. and she had an incredibly devastating reaction to it. And it just blew open my whole world because yeah. I was like, of course, I'm going to vaccinate my child. I don't want her to die. And now after COVID and with these vaccines, people are saying, well, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, should I have vaccinated my child? Like, is this corruption and longstanding? Like it's, people are sort of, but you have to have that curiosity, like you said, or nothing changes. You have a, I'm going to read this quote because I think that this is, this is from you. And I think it was in one of your essays on, on preparedness, the, your last okay. two essays. Um, we, those of us that can do this now because someone has to be a part of the reclamation. Someone has to plant the seeds, do the work, reap the harvest so that there will be harvest to reap. If you are among those that can, you must. We are here now in this time of dying gasps of the grand experiment of industrialization for a reason. And it's not to sit idly by while it all goes down. And I think that in sharing these stories and in getting curious, that this is part of exploring what might be possible outside of the bounds of what we have been sold as all there is. Mm -hmm. What can we build in a different way? And I am amazed at how little that question is asked, even within the industrial complex, that mm -hmm that we seem to have become so entrenched in something that we can't go back and say, wait, was there a different way to do this? I, I asked my husband, we were on a walk the other day. I think I've been thinking a lot about cycles 
And I was thinking about when we really start to move into a view of linear time versus always having been tied into a cyclical time frame because mm -hmm. we feel time passing in seasons in lunar cycles in these in these places in nature that have a cyclicality to them and what if we viewed science through a lens of cyclicality instead of linear thinking would it change everything would it would it just absolutely shatter everything? And so I'm kind of amazed at how rarely, whether it's, you know, the industrial complex or even just at the individual level, ooh, could I do this differently? What would that look like? What could I build if I left this paradigm? And I think actually in many ways, a lot of this podcast has been about asking that question. What could my body be if I left this? this paradigm of the way that I eat? What could my relationship be if I took responsibility for it? And so we have an opportunity here to take responsibility for what this future looks like, not just for ourselves, right? That's not who I feel accountable to, but for our children and for our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. That's it. And we have to be able to let go of the false sense of security in the systems that are here in what's here and what we know yeah and be willing to create something better or be a part of that creation we don't have to have we don't have to know the ending we don't have to um be able to see it or tangibly hold it to just work in the pursuit of creating something differently because it's right um is all we get to know it's what we need to know that's it that's it mm -hmm. let go of everything else and just trust that that's what you're here for and i i think that you know like what you're saying i i remember when i was a little girl and i um i went to catholic school and we were learning about adam and eve and i remember being sitting in the pew where i was sitting and being profoundly shocked that we were given this earth and we could have done everything and I was so disappointed that what we chose to do is what we had even as a little girl I was yeah. like we did this and this like, is what we did this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like what the hell <laughs> but I it's and that stuck with me. And it's still, I still, I don't know why, even as a, a young girl, but even today, I'm like, this is just something that we came up with. And we have the capability of coming up with anything else. Anything else. Anything. And I really feel, I mean, when I'm pessimistic, I'm like looking around, I'm like, oh, it's all crap, you know, blah, blah, blah. And look at what's happening socially. And there's all this stuff that you, it's very easy to point to that stuff. But I also feel like things are, we're at the beginning and we're in this place where things are changing and we probably can't see it very much right now. I mean, it's hard to see that when you're in it, but yes. I think that there are things happening and, you know, people are building parallel systems people are looking at different ways of doing things i think we can all recognize that you know it it didn't it it was it worked well it worked in the way it was supposed to work but it's okay to want more than, than that you know it's okay to want 
Um, it's okay mm. to want to be connected to each other and it's okay to want sort of a depth in our life again. And we can be a part of that. And that's, I think, taking our places in the natural world and, and connecting with each other and connecting with our own bodies and taking on the weight of that, the responsibility of that, because in that is truly the fulfillment and the joy of a life. Yes. Yes. And I think you mentioned before that words are creative, not descriptive. Mm -hmm. And we have a chance to re to reimagine, to recreate these things that when we look around and say, this is this is what we've made with mm -hmm. all of the possibilities in the world, this is the this is where we find ourselves. And I think from that seed of an idea in an individual, in a small community, in a group grows, you know, the bifurcation like a like a tree with branches of other possibilities. And mm -hmm. it is just the seeing and the identifying and the giving speaking life to that thing of I, th I think we we could do this differently. Mm hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's happening. Like I see that I see it. It's it's still quiet, but I see it. I, I, I know there's, you know, groups and people around me. And I think more and more people are starting to realize that we're not living the way that we've been living. There's just, I mean, you, you just have to read a statistic, right, on how many people are on antidepressants now. Yeah. And, you know, are, we're, we're sick, we're yeah. sick nations, and we're, you know, filling our sicknesses with addictions to everything from porn to food to drugs we're doing i mean the phones we're, the phone. scrolling yeah. yeah you know we're just like filling all these holes and and just moving more and more into these depths of despair and and there's they they are not saving us they no, no nobody's coming they don't care they no. want you where you are you know yeah that has to be up to us. And that means that we have to be able to see and feel in our hearts this this better world that that we're all creating. This this and see and in order to do that, you have to be able to align yourself with the beauty that's already here. If you think this world is concrete and and materialistic things, how can you even want to fight for yeah. it? How can you even want that? And so in order to do that, we have to, we have to be out and, and, you know, even just sitting your bum on the grass of a park and watching birds or there's a million, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. mean you have to be on a farm. It means you have to open yourself up to the bigger reason of your being. And you are yeah. here to be a part of that experience. I, I'm going to pull one more Tara quote. Okay. What motivates me to prepare for the crumbling of what is here is not fear, it is the confidence that beauty and love will prevail. How it will prevail, when it will prevail, none of us know. For years, friends and I have spoken about the how the only way humanity could change is if the systems that have propped us up would crumble and we had to create new ways of being on this earth. Well, it seemed a little easier to say that then when we thought, 
we would outlive those days. It looks like many of us will be here for that show after all. That's not an accident, and I believe we all have a role to play. Yeah, we're not and I, here by accident. <laughs> not here by accident, and I think that we can't leave with fear. It has to come from a space of love, and I think that the greatest thing that they can take away from us is agency which is a part mm -hmm. of personal responsibility mm -hmm. in that i am at least in some part the creator of my own life and the you know my body is created by the choices that i make and the intimate connection and the particles in my food that eventually become me my relationship is created by the choices I make every day. My community is created by the choices I make in how I interact with it. And I think that at that level, each one of us that is that is woven into this moment on earth has an effect when we choose to see it and say, I, th I think we could create something else. Mm -hmm. And if that is what they can take from us is our agency. Um, what they're trying to take from us, I think, our agency and yes. what we can eat and do all these things. And that is what we have. Um, it just shows you the power in us, in our agency, in our ability to make our own choices and to do our things because um, they're, there's nothing then if there's not that then then we have nothing but if we have that we have everything and so i mean they're giving away the whole thing right yeah. that's how we create our lives is by yeah. taking on these things because we're incredibly powerful creatures um, when we're willing to take on that responsibility take on these things for ourselves and for our families and for our friends and our communities and to be able to um, just fully interweave ourselves with this level of responsibility, which comes with hard, which comes with struggle, which comes with heartbreak, which comes with all these things instead yeah. of being, you know, um, diminished and, and, distributed through all these addictions where we're just little fragments of ourselves mm -hmm. instead of one whole self um you know that's how we're gonna create something uh that's how they they can they can never win you know because human beings are we are loving and we do we are beautiful creatures and we are kind of lost, some of us right now. And, but there, where will those people who don't know these things, who have never, those children that have never been taught any of this, that are growing up in places where all they see is like concrete and they don't even know the name of a bird or that carrot comes from the earth, you know, where will they go if there's not those of us right now? holding these spaces and creating these things, yeah. you know, we, it's, it is a duty and a responsibility. Like I said, in the essay, for those of us that can, we have to, I know yes. not all of us can, that's fine. 
but for those yes. that can, we have to. Yes. And I, I, I do want to touch on something you said that we are holding generational knowledge, um, 44,000 generations that came before us in, in modern wow. homo sapien. Right. And, and through that, so many skills and wisdom and connection of the natural world has been passed. And I think that it is both incredibly strong. I think it's in our bones. It's in our DNA. I think it's our birthright. Mm -hmm. And it's also fragile. I, it, it would easily slip away if we got three, four generations down the line without a child knowing the name of a bird. Mm. I think we're, we've already seen like the, the chink in the armor as far as like our development goes with that you know I think with the baby boomer generation they were told you know I think about my own family and my grandparents coming over here from Slovakia as farmers you know and being plopped in the middle of the prairies and having to build a house having to come up with like everything from scratch and then you know, they were completely self-sufficient. And then with my mom's generation, we don't need to know that stuff anymore. You know, like, like convenience is here now, the age of modernization, mechanization, and we don't, you know, all these things can be let go. And so, you know, we had to reclaim so much. I had to, I had to learn and yeah. I was lucky to yeah. have mentors. Yeah. Like we had to bring, and mm. so um, you know, I think that, I, I think that having done that, I don't want to see that just disappear again. You know, I want, yeah. I want to be able to, my value now as a woman in midlife is, is being able to share that with other people, um, and be able to teach in the way that I've been taught. I've been taught. I'm not gifted yeah. I I just learned from people that mentored me or took the time and care with me and that's now my responsibility and it's 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 a joy for me to be able to do that but we have to we have to pass this on to other people we have to be generous with our sharing um mm -hmm. if we're going to make it you know because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that that just don't know any other way and they, yeah. they, they want to live differently, but they don't, there's no beacons for them anymore. Like we're, you know, um, so I think that's, that's also part of our responsibility. Yeah. I, you had an essay, I think it's titled give of thyself. I don't have a quote from it, but I think that what we choose to give and before we hit record, I told you that I suddenly had this moment about a month and a half ago where I was like, I, like a mentor and yeah. and it, it was a it was a really interesting feeling to have come up and and you know the immediate was like how do we even go about that our our society hasn't really built in spaces for that relationship to occur and for that knowledge to be passed down and and I think that I know that a big part of this podcast is that I want to share wisdom. I want to receive wisdom. I want to be mm -hmm. a, a a part of of that cycle of knowledge that we require in our interconnectedness as human beings. Mm -hmm. And 
I wonder at that, you know, where do we build these modern campfires where we all come in at the end of the day and we say, well, I learned this about, you know, I was out foraging berries and I learned this, or, you know, maybe the more modern version is we were rotating our cows and, and this mm -hmm. happened. And, and you, you might want to know this for when you someday rotate your cows, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've, my husband and I have been talking about that quite a bit too, because I'm not sure you're right. Like we just don't seem to really have those opportunities anymore. I mean, I was very lucky to have an incredible mentor yeah. in my life that taught me so much, uh, taught me a whole new way of life actually in yeah. many, many different ways. But, you know, we, we were talking about what that might look like from now sort of going forward and you know maybe it is like campfires where people come around and sit around and have meaningful conversations again you know maybe um maybe it's getting together and having you know we were talking about um having like a butchering workshop here because yeah. a lot of people want to harvest their own meat but don't know how to do it so we were talking yeah. about maybe doing that and sort of developing those relationships. We have a younger woman that lives by us, um, a single mom with a young son. And, um, you know, after the whole COVID thing and things were really locked down here, um, yeah. she just um, a week or two ago had a big gathering where she brought a bunch of people together at just like um, a local tavern we have here out in the country, um, just for people to be in the physical presence of each other again. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, and maybe it's just, uh, you know, my husband does this like men's meeting um, where mm -hmm. they get together a group of men and they talk about things. So, but as far as having like a, maybe a dedicated member comes out of those things somehow naturally, I don't know, like who would ever want to hire a mentor? You know, it's like, that doesn't, no, it doesn't jive. No, no, it's an organic <laughs> thing, right? Yeah, I mean, it. You want that to be, I mean, in the same way that I'm so glad I met my husband in an organic way, right? Right, right. That yeah. it is almost like that, that there's a certain chemistry of, of mentor and mentee that is possible. And yeah. I also don't want to sell short what you have built on Substack. And I think the mentorship that a lot of people feel from you as you guide people through some of the ways that you and Troy live your lives. And I think that Troy is now putting himself out there as, as you know, I, I don't know if it's a mentor, a guidepost, yeah. somebody that is putting their words out into space for people that need them to find them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I also don't want to sell short that while there are these, you know, these close in real life, interpersonal relationships, that there might also be mediums where we can find mm -hmm. wisdom. Yeah, I I appreciate you saying that too. And I think that was for a long time, sort of one of my struggles around being on Instagram is I felt like I was able to share things, but it very much felt like um, I was sharing things in the way that a platform wanted me to share them. And, and what I mean is like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, it's not where you get into a conversation, right? I mean, you can, no. you can put ideas out there and stuff, but um, having 
gone on Substack and it's been really, I feel like what I have to offer at this point in my life is like what I said earlier is the experience or things that people have shared with me. And to be able to have those discussions in a longer form, nuanced way, I think, I think people want that now, like not everybody, but yeah, there's just, I mean, I hope so. Cause we, yeah. we go on for hours on the podcast and <laughs> yeah. I, I just, and I refuse to do anything else. Cause I think yeah. I'm here for the long format. Yeah. And I think that that's where we find depth and honesty. You know, it's how honest can you be when you're putting sound bites out everywhere? Like, it's just what will catch someone's ear. I'm so not interested in yeah. that at all. And Too convenient. It and is. It's being sold as convenience and ease yeah. at what cost? Yeah, it's false, really. Like yeah. you just can't really. And, and so, you know, I think that, I think that there's, that's also a turning. Um, I think that's also something that's, that's developing is more and more people are like, mm, maybe this isn't like so satisfying. It might be addicting, mm. but mm -hmm. is it Ooh. really? satisfying you know there's a distinction there there's an important distinction there mm -hmm. yeah. it, it, that actually that hit yeah it's addicting but is it is it satisfying yeah yeah and you know it's 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 been like having made that transition I have to say it's been very uh rewarding for for me to be able to literally you know i i've never been really other than instagram i never did facebook i've never had any social media other than that and um i realize now like i actually have conversations with people you know and it actually there is i've sort of gotten to know people and and there is an exchange where you share something and people share something back with you mm. and there's it's a lot more uh, real and yeah. and it, it feels a lot more satisfying than in a way where you know you're posting up something and directing someone on something or showing them something and then you'll get a couple comments back and you never know what those comments are going to be like you know <laughs> they can no. they can come for you one day or not come from you one day and then there's just all this like drive towards more sort of flashy content and tiktok sort of content and yeah you know, at a certain point, I was just like, this isn't what I'm here to share. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a young woman anymore. I'm, you know, a woman in midlife. And the things I want to share are, are, I just felt like I was contributing to something that I didn't believe in, to be honest. Yeah. And so I understand, I understand the, that, a lot of small businesses rely on that type of exposure because that's where a lot of people are. And I get that. And it's a big challenge, but, um, yeah, I just, for me, there was, there was like a point where I came to where I was just like this, the cost on this is too high on me actually. Yeah. And I, I think Tara came back to that. Maybe there's a different way. Right. Yeah. And I think that Substack, while I'm imperfect in itself, like is a different way for us to mm -hmm. engage as humans to find depth and honesty and nuance and wisdom in a format that I actually think is more more human to us. 
mm-hmm. to read, to unpack, to get curious. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know we're we're running tight on time. I want to make sure you have time to move boxes, but I think we can point people at your Substack. I want to point people at Troy's Substack too. Um, oh, that would be nice. The Doer of Deeds. Yeah, the Doer of Deeds. The Doer. It's, of uh, deeds. it's sort of a. It's what he does um, in person with with men. He's bringing it online in his own unique way. He's. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. He's putting together a year long sort of coaching program with challenges, and yeah. just um, he really is a a man of character and honor and he's he really has um an incredible he's a he's a leader he's a natural born leader and people gravitate men gravitate towards him because he's also incredibly kind and vulnerable and honest he's not a bravado guy at all um you would never know anything he's ever accomplished talking to him unless his wife's standing beside him (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're there for talk him up (laughs) but yeah so he's brought that online so that's pretty cool I'm yeah Yeah. I know I I forwarded it immediately to my husband who is of similar character and 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 I'm excited for that to be in that space because I think that you have brought in so many women and men both but I think that it'll be really beautiful to have a space I mean I'm I signed up um (laughs) to to really have a man that's leading in that space and so i'm i'm really excited for what comes of that and how it works within the context of both of you and and that beautiful relationship that i am yeah. so in awe of oh thanks kate thank you um yeah anything else that you want to say before we i don't know before we sign off I don't think so unless you yeah no there'll be maybe if I'm lucky there'll be other times oh sure it's not our last rodeo no way okay (laughs) well all of this will be in show notes and and thank you everybody for thank you so much for listening to this episode of the mind body and soil podcast If what you found resonated with you, may I ask that you share it with your friends or leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? This act of reciprocity helps others find mind, body, and soil. If you're looking for more, you can find us at groundworkcollective.com and at Kate underscore Kavanaugh, that's K-A-T-E underscore K-A-V-A-N-A-U-G-H on Instagram. I would like to give a very special thank you to China and Seth Kent of the band All Right, All Right for the clips from their beautiful song Over the Edge from their album The Crucible. You can find them at All Right, All Right on Instagram and wherever you listen to music.